Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. I don't know that there's an issue more controversial these days than the world of gender. Now, if you're going to pick one issue that might be a little bit more controversial than the world of gender, maybe, just maybe, it's race and ethnicity. Now, if you're going to pick something that's a little bit more controversial than the world of gender and ethnicity, maybe it's social media censorship. And if you're going to kind of try and multiply those and find something that's even more controversial than those three entities, maybe it's plastic surgery. Well, oh, well, I will tell you, a gentleman that has been a guest on this show repeatedly always is a fascinating conversation and somebody that I've had the privilege of getting to know the last couple of years. He has dived headfirst into all three of those worlds. I am very pleased to welcome back to the show. Ollie London, a British actor, influencer, singer, author of the new book. Just three hours old at this point, Gender Madness, One Man's Devastating Struggle with Woke Ideology and His Battle to Protect Children. Ali, it's great to have you in studio again. It's great to be back. It's been a while, isn't it? It certainly has. Now, Ali, for people that uh, you've got a pretty big profile, both in the traditional media and social media, for people that are unfamiliar with your story, when I met you the first time you were on this show a few years ago, you identified as non-binary. You had at that point undergone, I think, a dozen or so plastic surgeries. And um, we talked a little bit about your aspirations to turn yourself into a doppelganger of a Korean pop singer. Now, before we go through things that have happened since then and the things that you cover in your new book, which are substantial, explain to folks how that came to be. Uh, When did you decide to pursue a non-binary path and when did you decide to kind of remake yourself as a a Korean woman? Well, it's a very, it sounds like a very confusing story. And I was very confused at the time. I mean, as a teen, I was uh, very bullied. I had a very difficult relationship with my father, which caused me to have, you know, issues with my mental health and uh, my identity. And then as an adult, because of all these uh, feelings and this bullying, I wanted to change myself. So I started out on this quest just to improve the way I looked. I was living in Korea at the time and, you know, I based my looks on a K-pop star. I was like, you know, these people are a symbol of beauty and happiness and, you know, success. So I thought maybe I can achieve some of that. And so I started doing these surgeries. I started transforming and it wasn't making me happy. So I started down this path of doing consistently more and more surgeries um, to such an extreme. And I really lost my entire identity. I was so confused about who I was. And, you know, obviously then I became non-binary and, you know, I thought I was you know wanting to have this Korean look. And then that still didn't please me. It wasn't making me happy inside. So I thought, what is the thing missing in my life? And I'd always been told I was more feminine. I was more like girls. You know, I always used to hang out with girls and play with girls toys when I was a kid. So all of these questions, I thought maybe I'd misplaced my identity struggles. And maybe it's because, you know, meant to be trans. So then I went down that route, started getting surgery to, you know, become trans and uh, you know, realized after a period, all of this is replacing something in my life. It's not going to make me happy. So I need to work on myself and kind of 
fix myself internally. When, when I first met you a couple of years ago, I remember, and I think I even expressed this on air, but I remember I was pretty concerned because I didn't, you had achieved as a social media star a tremendous following and a fair amount of fame for all these surgeries you've gotten. You'd been profiled on different reality TV shows, etc. And I was concerned about, you know, the kind of message that's sent to young people. And I was concerned for your health, quite frankly. But you seemed, when we when we met a few years ago, very confident. I didn't get the sense that you were someone that was running away from something or someone that was uh, lacking in confidence. How was it that you were able to kind of put out a very confident uh, veneer to the rest of the world, including me, when in actuality you were running away from something because you were dealing with some things? Well, it really was a facade and I tried to mask it to the world. You know, I never used to want to speak about my feelings and how I was feeling inside. And, and that's why I was going down this extreme route of having surgeries. That was to mask how I felt inside. And, you know, it always gave me a temporary fix. I always felt great after a couple of months. And, you know, it would give me this kind of adrenaline rush as, wow, I finally feel good. I finally feel amazing. And then it was never enough. Then that would, that feeling would dissipate. And then I would go back to square one, you know, thinking I'm not good enough. I'm worthless and you know, struggling with my identity. So I would keep going back to the same thing so it was like a snowball effect you know I'd be happy for a couple of months then it'll go back down it'll dip down then it'll go back up after the next surgery and then down and you know it became a really unhealthy habit so it was definitely you know a facade I was trying to convince myself as well as those around me that I was perfectly happy and normal and really it was clear that I was having this kind of crazy identity crisis. I want to talk to you about uh, some of the issues that you cover in your book and some of the aspects of your story which are so fascinating and so germane to what's happening in the world especially in this country right Right now, but for people listening to us right now who feel that cosmetic surgery may make them feel better, maybe they're uh, wanting breast implants, maybe they're wanting liposuction, maybe they're wanting um, Botox, maybe they're wanting some sort of a, uh, a nose job, and they believe that that surgery will help them have the kind of confidence that they need to get through life on a regular basis. I know a lot of people uh, who have experienced this and this surgery has helped them achieve the level of confidence that they were looking for. What would you say to someone that's considering some sort of cosmetic surgery? Not not necessarily gender-based, but just cosmetic surgery in general. I mean, I would just say research it because it generally can improve the lives of some people. For instance, if somebody has always, like a woman, has always been flat-chested and that's really bothered her and upset her and maybe she hasn't felt like a woman, I can understand why people would do that. And, you know, as long as they do the research and get the right doctor, that's very, very important. And you know, same with noses. Some people are, you know, paranoid about their noses, then they try to change it because it makes them happy and that can really improve their life with confidence and, you know, improving their self-esteem. So that is great. I just think, you know, do things to a minimal. Don't go to the extreme that I've obviously been through. You know, I've got the scars now to mm. uh, relive that story. And, you know, I went to such an extreme and I think that is a danger with certain surgeries people start and it goes wrong or they're not happy so they try to fix it again and it becomes a kind of an addiction a bit like a tattoo people start with one and then they get lots so i just think you know be cautious just only get what you feel like you need and don't feel pressured to look like someone else or to adopt a new identity just because you've seen a celebrity online or you've seen all of these different filters if people are just tuning in my guest is ollie london he is one of the internet's most recognizable and most talked about names he has a new book out first day is today 
today. You can get it on Amazon or wherever books are available. It's called Gender Madness, One Man's Devastating Struggle with Woke Ideology and His Battle to Protect Children. Tell me about when you decided to become a man again. When did you make the decision that you this is how you were going to identify? Gone is non-binary, Ali London, and uh, no more surgeries to try to look like a Korean woman. When did you decide you were going to embrace a male identity? Well, I had two choices. I was thinking, you know, do I continue this because I was, you know, booking for consultations in Thailand for breast surgery, breast augmentation, because I was thinking, you know, what else is going to make me happy? And it was that constant cycle of trying to add things to my body or change things and stuff and it wasn't fulfilling me so it was either continue down that path or take a step back and realize that maybe all of the surgery and all the changes isn't a solution to my problems maybe I need to address it face on so it was about dealing with these issues face on and uh, you know reflecting on myself and reflecting what I've been through and also realizing that it's you know it is harmful what I'm doing to myself and others around me and you know I had this realization that you know I have people that look up to me online and I need to be a really really good role model for these people because you know I've been showing my identity struggles before and that could, you know, be for an impressionable young kid, they could look at that and think, oh, I want to be like that as well. So I realized I had that responsibility that I can't project bad things into the world and I need to be positive. So that's why I realized, you know, I need to wake up from this. I need to snap out of it. I need to stop doing all the surgeries, focus on myself, do some therapy and, you know, try to to find the real me that was trapped inside all those years. Are you in therapy now? Yeah, I do go to therapy sessions just for help. I also go to church, you know, for faith-based sessions. And, you know, that's really helpful as well. Just having that peace of mind and clarity and uh, you know, not being on my phone for a couple of hours, that's really helped me as well. Uh, yeah, I, mm. I think a lot of us could benefit from uh, <laughs> a few hours of a, a digital detox. I think about you a, a great deal because uh, the first conversation we ever had on air, I, I apologized in advance that I might not always use the right pronouns to refer to you. And basically you said, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, I'm chilled out. Right. Mm, and mm. I think about that because I thought how refreshing would it be if everyone had that attitude and wasn't rushing <laughs> to get offended by everything. Mm. So uh, th- I'm keeping that in mind as I ask you what I'm about to ask ask you because I don't want you get a, to get offended at any any of the way that mm-hmm. I frame the question and, and know that it comes from a good place. You were in your, uh, what I'll call your prior online and uh, actual persona as Ali London, you were... Uh, at least in some quarters, a hero to the transgender community. Mm. You were one of the most visible transgender social media influencers there were. And a lot of people attacked you like crazy for all these surgeries, for uh, trying to emulate a Korean pop star, for um, essentially using the serious issue of being trans as an issue, as a, a means to build your own online persona. Now, so many of the same people that were celebrating or so many of the same people that were villainizing you back then, the tables have turned. Now, all the people that were celebrating you back then, they're now attacking you as someone that has sold out the trans community. And a lot of people are going to ask the question that are you is what you're going through now becoming a man again writing a book sort of attacking what you refer to in the book as the gender ideology is this just another means of getting publicity to build your online following and making money so as respectfully as i can ask the question 
Is it? Is this all about money and publicity again? Well, absolutely not, because I've woken up from this kind of gender madness that I was in, this identity crisis that I had, and I was projecting that onto the world. And sure, I did feed into bad habits. For instance, when I would get praise and validation online, let's say TikTok and views, it would encourage me to want to do more surgery, to do more changes, because it would, you know, if I was getting positive comments, it would make me feel more beautiful and want to validate that identity. So that really did play a part. And I was addicted to social media. Now I very rarely use TikTok and don't really use Instagram because it is harmful and it does change our mental health and can lead us to do things that aren't healthy behaviors. So you know, I've learned from that and stuff. But now I've, I've had this awakening where I realized that I have to have a responsibility. I've got all these followers, a lot of them young. I can't be projecting, you know, my identity struggles online. I have to, you know, just focus on finding that internal happiness and then projecting that onto the world. So, you know, for people that say, oh, it's just another phase and stuff to write a book or whatever, I'm actually finally, for the first time in my life, I've actually found myself, I've actually found the authentic me that was trapped inside for, you know, over two decades. Well, that's wonderful. I, I love hearing that. A lot of folks are saying that's great that you are in a different place in your life, but they'll say that by attacking what you referred to in the book, gender ideology, by titling your book Gender Madness, that you're actually hurting the transgender community and the transgender cause. And this is a community and a cause that already has a very tough time to begin with. What do you say to those that say that you're doing that? You're hurting the transgender cause? Well, I'm actually a big ally for all people, you know, all adults to make their own decisions in life. And I actually defend real trans people that have just lived their life. They're, you know, not trying to disturb anyone. But what I call out is radical trans activists. So there's a difference between, you know, just normal trans people and radical trans activists. The activists are the ones that actively push this gender ideology on kids and, you know, push them and persuade them to have puberty blockers, hormones and surgeries. And then also they push to erase women's sports, you know, biological males in women's sports and in women's spaces. So these are the people I call out. So I always make a distinction because, you know, we don't want to conflate all trans people with what's going on right now with all the woke stuff. So I always think it's important to differentiate. And, you know, I know a lot of trans people that have been trans for 20, 30 years, and they are having a really difficult time right now because of how their movement has been hijacked by these extreme people. And a lot of the kind of old school trans people from the 70s, the 80s, they are so against what's going on to the kids mm. right now. So I think it's really important to make that distinction. And you know, in the book, Gender Madness, I talk about the history of transgenderism, where it started and how in really the last five years, we've seen this skyrocketing number of kids being transitioned. And that wasn't happening 10 years ago. So that's the real issue that's affecting people. And that's why this book is really highlighting this and how we all need to speak up now to protect children. One of the things that I hear from is the, a lot of folks in the gay community, they're not crazy about being lumped in with the trans community. And, and I think gay folks have varying views about the transgender community and different transgender issue priorities, just the way a lot of straight people do. But the the acronym or the initials LGBTQ, mm-hmm. the, a lot of lesbians, gays, and even a lot of bisexuals don't love being lumped in with the, the transgender issue. They believe they have a, a totally different uh, set of issue priorities. They believe that uh, their struggle is very different and their priorities are uh, just completely separate from the transgender community. Can you understand why a lot of gays uh, and lesbians would would kind of bristle at being lumped in with the transgender folks? 
Yeah, I mean, I speak to people all the time and you're now starting to get a lot of uh, groups that are just for LGB, right? So they want to actually break away mm. from all the TQI plus. And I just think it's become very toxic because, you know, the TQI plus question mark, whatever it is now, has been the ones pushing the activism and pushing the stuff. And look, you know, gay people fought 50 years ago for equal rights, acceptance, you know, and just to be able to love themselves. And that was their message. And now this new movement, I mean, some of the prides recently you had... Um, Austin Pride recently, uh, Seattle. These were almost fetish parades and you have people in the streets basically naked and there are kids present. And, mm. you know, that is being pushed now. So, you know, old school LGB people, they don't want to be associated with that. It has nothing to do with their sexuality or how they feel. It's something completely different. So I do see a lot of people speaking about, you know, we need to break away from these people. And they are two separate things. Sexuality and identity are completely different things. So there is a distinction there. Uh, Ollie London's new book is Gender Madness. It's available through our friends at uh, Skyhorse Publishing. You can get it online and uh, in a lot of bookstores. I'm sure, Ollie, you've been cutting a very wide media figure over the last year or so as you've been critical of this gender ideology and what you refer to as uh, as woke ideology. What sort of criticism have you gotten from some of your former fans in the trans community over the last year or so? Well, you know, a lot. So basically when I said, look, I've I've made a mistake with my identity. I just want to be my authentic self and be a man again. You know, it's that backlash. And we see that time and time again, you know, because you no, know, it's easy to get confused as a young person these days. You go online and everybody's got a different identity and you know, people want to feel validated. So, you know, there are so many people like me that, you know, decide that that wasn't for me and I want to go back to being myself. And, you know, they all get ostracized. They get hate. It's like you're thrown out of that community straight away when, you know, just... Uh, uh, days or months before they were praising you they were loving you so it's very extreme to deal with that um but you know there's a lot of good people out there as well you know i've had a lot of love a lot of supports from some amazing people you know i speak to parents every day and they're just you know thankful that i'm speaking up for them and they ask me for advice and stuff because it's such a tough thing to be a parent in this modern day you know mm. because what's being taught in schools the entertainment industry what they're pushing on kids all of these woke policies and movies and stuff so i just think it's important to speak up for these people and um you know i have had a lot of hate from trans activists but uh there are also trans people that support me they think you know i agree with you thanks for speaking up for because i do speak up for real trans people that have been living their life peacefully they don't want to go in women's spaces they don't want to be in women's sports they just want to exist so you know i speak up for them as well what made you want to write this book gender madness what are you hoping people get out of this um, so really, the first half of the book is detailing my own struggle. And basically, I want to explain how I got to where I was, you know, all of the different things I dealt with in life that led me to have this kind of unusual identity and, you know, how I was able to kind of uh, move away from that and try and find that internal happiness and, and learn to self-love. So part of the book is about that. But I've also, you know, since I've had this awakening and woken up, I've done a lot of research about what's going on. I didn't see it before because when you're a part of that community, you don't see the other side of the argument, mm. right? So now I see the thing that's happening with kids, you know, women's space is being erased. And we have, you know, in sports, for instance, you have Leah Thomas competing in women's uh, swimming. And, you know, there's a, a power lifter in Canada today that basically broke the women's world record and they were a biological male. So, you know, I've realized that these things are going on. So I think it's very important to highlight them. 
And the book, you know, half of the book is discussing all of these woke things right now and how it is causing so much harm to society and how I just want to bring people together. I think, you know, books are about opinions and having a conversation. It's up to the reader to decide their opinion on this. But I, I want to educate people on, you know, my knowledge based on my research, what I've been through and see if we can help people and, you know, spark this much needed conversation. So much of the book, is, especially the latter part of the book, seems to be about protecting children. Mm-hmm. Why do you believe children today are at risk and who are they at risk from? Well, I mean, most kids these days, they have cell phones, right? And most kids are now on TikTok and Instagram and I don't think that's healthy for, you know, 11-year-old or 10-year-old because they spend all day on that. Firstly, it changes their brain and, you know, uh, they can develop ADHD because they're unable to concentrate anymore because of short-form videos on TikTok. And also the things that they're exposed to because, you know, you have algorithms and algorithms, you know, push things that maybe the person is interested in or maybe what they think the person is interested in. And you know, kids can be susceptible to that if they see a trend on TikTok of, you know, a young woman cutting off her breast and appearing happy. And that's what I had as well. Well, you know, when you're in that mood, you pretend to be happy. It's a facade. You you generally convince yourself that you're happy. So we see a lot of that. And that's what is uh, difficult for kids. They see someone happy, someone mm. like Dylan Mulvaney, that's successful, happy, beautiful. So they think, I want to become like that. So then they start to transition. So I think the social media is having a big effect. Um, you do have some school districts that teach these things, you know, these gender ideology books in classrooms, in school libraries, and that is not helpful. Obviously, you know, Governor DeSantis has banned those kinds of books in Florida. You have Tennessee is doing similar things as well. So you know, I think it's just about, you know, parents need to keep an eye out and we shouldn't be exposing kids to certain things. You know, people can work out who they want to be as an adult, but we shouldn't be, as adults, we shouldn't be feeding these ideas to kids, you know, about gender, about changing their pronouns. Just let them be kids. And that's why the book is really important about protecting children and how we can all come together to speak up for these kids and, you know, stop all of this kind of woke indoctrination. You mentioned uh, Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, it's not inconceivable to think that if Bud Light were to have undergone that uh, marketing campaign two or three years earlier, that they would have tried to have some sort of a brand partnership with you, Ali London. <laughs> right. uh, what did you think of the whole Bud Light, Dylan Mulvaney controversy and sort of the backlash that has emerged against Bud Light in the forms of boycotts, etc.? Well, firstly, I think it was a very strange partnership because Bud Light is a beer. It's associated mostly, you know, with men and strong guys and stuff so i thought the partnership itself was really strange because why would you alienate your entire audience Mm -hmm. you know if this was for instance something to do with the lgbt community like a brand and then dylan was the face it makes sense right or like you know a makeup brand it kind of makes sense but it was a beer and this beer is drank by a lot of guys also some women as well so it didn't make sense and then secondly you know i think based on dylan's history and look i get what dylan's going through because i think he's addicted to the validation and feeling loved and maybe he missed that when he was younger and stuff but i think he's not a good brand ambassador we saw bud light lose 26 billion you know all these other brands lose so much money and you know bud light i think is finished at this point um but i think it was more that bud light and other brands they're just being so woke for virtue signaling purposes it's not like they're invested in this person they don't care about the trans community or anyone they just simply want to score some woke points and let's get dylan mulvaney as the face of our brand and give us some points um and i think it was just a bad business move but you know dylan upsets a lot of women because he talks about having tampons he wants to get pregnant then he wants to be a lesbian so i think people look at him and think you know he's harmful he's harmful to women and he's harmful to trans people that you know 
aren't a parody. They're not a caricature. They're just living their lives. And I think he, you know, exaggerates what he believes is a woman. And I think that can be very offensive. So bad partnership for Bud Light. I uh, can't really disagree with anything that you've said about any of this. And you certainly speak from a level of authority and experience that uh, that I, I can't claim to speak to. One of the things that I do find, though, even though that I, I agree with everything you said, is I do find that a lot of conservative media outlets seem to have an interest in making it seem as if the uh, as if everybody is transgender and if everybody is soon becoming transgender because that will you talk about playing to your base as you alluded to with Bud Light that almost gets their base worked up into a tizzy when in actuality it's really an incredibly small amount of the population that actually is transgender do you find even if you agree with where conservative media outlets tend to be coming from on the gender issue do you find that some conservative media outlets or conservative media personalities do you find that they play up the transgender issue in order to work their audience into a little bit of a tizzy i mean it it can seem that way for people that just tune into the media because maybe they're not seeing it with their own eyes in real life but actually this is something that's happening every day so just today this uh, biological male 40 years old won a canadian women's powerlifting championship and then just days ago in austin they had austin pride there were people in fetish gear there were kids and a school bus in the parade um, and then you also had women being attacked and trans activists turning up to silence and they had weapons you know trying to silence these women speaking up so it is an issue that is occurring every day and i think you know the media is covering it and you know left-wing liberal media don't cover it because right. they don't want to give that and i think that's wrong i think you know both sides of the media should be covering this and trying to give Agreed. different perspectives i mean that's one of the reasons i was eager to have you on right again. and yeah. i know i was i'm always up for speaking with trans people and different people because i think it's important to have that conversation even if you don't agree with people um and i think we're missing that you know in the world at the moment but um it, it really is an issue so when you see you know conservative media covering this every single day it's because it has become such a big part of society i mean we saw Tar- Target had the Pride Collection targeting kids. Of course, there was Bud Light. There were so many other brands. Skittles now has got a candy range uh, with trans logos and you know Black Trans Lives Matter, and this is a kid's candy. So it is being pushed in our faces. So there's a reason the conservative media is talking about it because all of these brands are pushing it. Schools are pushing it. Social media is pushing it. So they're trying to highlight it you know, before it's too late. And we're, we're seeing, you know, thousands of kids are actually transitioning and it, it's not kind of make-believe. Uh, we're almost mm. out of time. And uh, next time you're you're around, I hope we can do a, a full hour together because mm. you're really, sincerely, one of the, the most fascinating people that I've ever spoken to. And I hope a lot of people check out the Thank book, you. Gender Madness. A uh, couple quick things I have to ask you about before we run out of time here. You alluded to uh, Christianity, and you spend a lot of time in the book talking mm-hmm. about Christianity. Tell me what role faith and specifically Christianity played in your detransitioning. Well, so I needed something, so I wasn't going to change my ways. I was very dead set in my ways, but I wasn't happy. I was really, you know, hurting inside because I was so confused what I wanted to do and do I go get more surgery? Is that going to make me happy? So I needed some kind of way of um, having some clarity in my mind. So part of that was going to church and just, you know, I used to go to a a church um, as part of my school in elementary school. And then as a teenager, I actually was atheist. I just didn't, I lost touch of it. And so it was going back and kind of retracing my childhood 
and retracing those memories. So going to church was very helpful with that. And it was just a positive experience because people didn't know me there. People didn't judge me. They were very friendly. They were very welcoming. And, you know, it just taught me good things. For instance, you know, Jesus was always a good person, right? Always trying to help other people. It was never about him. It was always about helping other people. So I think then that's a lesson, whether someone's religious or not, that's a very valuable lesson that we can all learn, you know, to help thy neighbor and help other people and stuff. So that gave me the clarity and, you know, purpose that, you know what, use my platform and try and actually help people. And that is so fulfilling. And that's what's driven me to you know, write the book. And, and every day, you know, I devote it to activism, to speaking up for parents, always giving others a voice, because that's what I've been taught going to church is, you know, always help other people. It shouldn't be about you. It should be about helping other people. And with my identity crisis, I was very consumed. You know, it was all about me, me, me. It's, it can be kind of narcissistic. It consumes you. So part of that, you know, going to church helped me break away mm. from that bad habit and realize that don't make it about me. Let me just help other people and use my time and energy to help others. Do you still listen to K-pop? I still love K-pop, just not, not as much. Yeah, I still love it, though. Yeah. Uh, lastly, uh, Ali, I can't avoid asking your opinion on the uh, on the news of the day. Uh, last night, just a few hours ago, it was, indi- it was uh, announced that the uh, Georgia, uh, that a Georgia grand jury had indicted uh, President Trump and 18 others as part of uh, an election a tampering scheme or a, a scheme to overturn the, the election. This is the, I've lost track, I think the third or fourth indictment that, five or six uh, I think now. the fourth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've lost track. Yeah. Can't even count that uh, <laughs> President Trump has had to endure. Uh, I, I don't know that you've had a chance to review the indictment, mm-hmm. but any thoughts on this latest Trump indictment or, or the Trump indictments in general? Well, it's really sad to watch because it's become like a banana republic. I mean, if you look at Hunter Biden and his shocking crimes and, you know, the $20 million bribes from Ukraine, of China and the Kazakhstan oligarch, you know, that is very worrying and bad. And, you know, Hunter is getting this plea deal and, you know, he's going to basically get a slap on the wrist and, you know, just don't do it again. I think that's wrong. I think it's a double standard. You know, Hunter Biden has done a lot of things. Joe Biden, it's a lot of evidence mounting with this Burisima that there is evidence that he took payments. There's a lot of evidence. And why is he getting away with it? Why are they penalizing the opposition leader? And I think that's what happens in Banana Republics. You know, Trump is fighting for the people. He's very vocal about so many issues. He's fighting for ordinary Americans. And I think this is a way of trying to silence the opposition. He was the leading candidate, leading in the points by so many points. Um, and I think, you know, Biden is trying to silence him. And it, it's just very sad to watch that. Do you, Are you a, a Trump supporter or have you made a pick in the presidential race? I know you're not, may, may not be an American citizen, but yeah. do you have a pick uh, at all? I mean, you know, I think there are, you know, Trump, I think he's my favorite candidate. I think Trump does a lot of things. You know, I also think Governor DeSantis has done some fantastic things in Florida, you know, protecting children, protecting parents. Also like Vivek Ramasawi, he's a fantastic guy as well. So there's some great people. I think the best solution is people in coming together and trying to fix America because there's so many issues right now. But, you know, Trump is, is the guy, I believe, is the one that can save America. Ali um, London, it is always a treat uh, to speak with you, n- irrespective of what uh, gender you're at or uh, <laughs> whatever you're up to. Uh, it is always a great... You're always welcome on this program. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, Frank. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Ali London, the book is Gender Madness, One Man's Devastating Struggle with Woke Ideology and His Battle to Protect Children. If you want to check it out, it's available on Amazon and uh, a lot of bookstores. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call, 800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.